Hello, hello, football fans. Welcome to episode 16 of the DKB Footy Show. I am your host, David Ballat, and welcome to today's show. And we're going to start off with the international break, which has just concluded. And I must say, I was thoroughly surprised by this international break. This has actually been one of the most entertaining international breaks I think I've ever actually witnessed. Surprise. Could it be the UEFA Nations League effect? I think it probably is. That sounds like a very good reason why. Why it is. I mean, before the competition started, or even till now, actually, a lot of people were criticizing the games as like just glorified glorified friendlies. They were saying that the games didn't really matter and no teams were actually going to take them seriously. But I think the results from this past week have actually shown that a lot of countries are definitely willing to take it a lot more seriously than we had expected earlier. And it's um, very fitting that we actually start off with Germany, man. Germany are in dire situations. They are definitely not anything close to the world champions that they were in 2014. They just look like a shell of their former selves. And this international break did not do anything to change any of that. In fact, it made it worse. They suffered two defeats against the Netherlands and against France. And it definitely looks like they're going to be relegated unless they can absolutely thrash the Netherlands in the return fixture and hope that the Netherlands are not able to beat France in their own second fixture as well. But that being said, um, the two the two matches though were were kind of like a bit different, I would say, for German fans. I would say the first one was absolutely abysmal. I mean, fair enough, Netherlands beating Germany 3-0 sounds really, really bad if you just read the scoreline. In my opinion, I don't think the game actually reflected that. I think Germany did have a few decent chances and the the game was 1-0 for most of the match up until the last like 10 minutes where the Netherlands scored two more goals. But before that, I would say Germany were all right, but they definitely still did not play well. I mean, this is Netherlands. We're not talking about the old Netherlands. The new Netherlands is actually crap, to be honest. They are not a very good international team and they beat Germany 3-0. Actually, this is like the first Netherlands win over Germany since like 2003 or something like that. And that's really, really bad for Germany. They did not do well in that match. Yogi Love still decided to trust in his um, his established players. He did not bench Muller or any of the other big stars that obviously did not show up during the World Cup. And that was really surprising because he managed to keep his job after the World Cup. And it was so obvious to see that the team needed changes, that the old players were just not capable of 
providing the same performances that they did in the past. And he still went along with the same players that didn't get him past the group stage in a group involving Sweden, Mexico, and um, I forget the last team. But it was not a strong group. They were not able to make it through. And South Korea, they were not able to make it through. And he still kept the same players. I mean, that was shocking. And he definitely got a very well-deserved defeat in that regard. And a lot of people are really saying that he should be sacked. That They're of the opinion that his time, it's been a good time. He's brought a lot of success to the team been a very good manager of the of the country but it's been how many years now he's been coached for like about 13 years now and it seems like it's time for a fresh start and in the second match against France they also lost that one two goals to one but they actually did play a lot better in this match I could even say that they were quite unlucky to lose the match the first goal they got was very well deserved and they actually dominated the match. And it was also no surprise that he decided to bench a lot of the established guys finally and play some of the younger guys like Leroy Sané, for example, who actually had a very brilliant game. He ran the channels excellently on that, on the wing and the French defenders really had no answers for him, to be honest. And it only took two Griezmann goals, one from a really brilliantly executed header. And the second one was from the penalty spot. But before that, I would say, he, yeah, Germany actually played quite well. There were some really good signs, some positive signs that Yogi Love is actually learning from the mistakes and is actually willing to, to revolutionize the team once again. But I don't know if this is going to be enough because they still lost the match at the end of the day. And this is the sixth loss that Germany has this year, which actually makes it the highest number of losses that the German national team has had in their history. And we're talking including when it was West and East Germany. They never lost as many as six games in one year. And they just got that unfortunate record this year. So it's really not looking good for the Germans. But that being said, they still have a lot of talented young players coming through. So unfortunately, they couldn't really call upon guys like Goretzka as well because he was injured. But I don't even know if Yogilov would have played him, even if he was fit. He was playing Joshua Kimmich in the midfield, who I know he's originally a midfielder and he's good. But they didn't have anybody on the right wing, on the right as playing in right back position. They actually played a three at the back in the second match, which possibly actually did um, surprise the French team and put them back and perhaps maybe that was why they were able to play that well in the match but still they lost Germany lost and it's not looking good for them I don't know if Yogi Love is going to be sacked in my opinion I don't want to say he should be sacked but I think he should know that his time is up and he should go with his held up high he should leave while he still has a good reputation a reputation that's good enough for him to get him a good position in another team, possibly in club football. I would actually like to see this guy take over a club and see how well he can do in the season. I think he's a really good manager, in my opinion, but I just think that his time has passed in this team. But yeah, that's Germany. Yeah, they're not in a good position. And 
then I'm going to go over to another game, which was perhaps the most shocking result from from this round. And that was Spain versus England. England defeating Spain in Spain. Three goals to two. And yeah, brilliant result for England. Very, very good result for them. They actually started that game excellently. They were already 3-0 up by halftime, which probably like nobody would have believed if they just tuned into the match. Most people would have thought that their eyes were not working properly and they needed glasses because England rarely ever beats bigger opposition, especially away from home. And they did that against Spain. This is Spain's first competitive defeat at home in a very, very long time, in a large number of years. And England did it. Two goals from Raheem Sterling. Sterling finally scored his first goal for England in about like 16 or 17 games where he hadn't been scoring. And it was a very brilliant finish for the first goal. And the second one was a nice tap-in created by um, Harry Kane. And Rashford as well, who has not had the best of seasons in United. He was also able to get on the score sheet. And yeah, it was a really good result for them. They played a lot of youngsters. I think the average age of the team was like 23 or 22, something like that. Very ridiculous age. A lot of young guys played the likes of Harry Winks, Trippier, Ben Chilwell. Can you imagine? Like, Has he ever even played for England? Played um, Rashford, obviously, Sterling, Kane, very, very young front three. Quite established, but very young. And they got the goods. And for Spain, on the other hand, that was not a good loss for them. I think they were just brought back down to earth after the short-lived high that they were on after the World Cup, where they beat Croatia 6-0. And everybody was saying that, oh, it was only because Lopetegui left and they had a lot of issues going into the World Cup, that that was the only reason why they were not able to go all the way and win it all. A lot of people were assuming that Spain had their swagger back with Luis Enrico as, as coach because they'd had a lot of good results as well, even apart from the Croatia match. But this definitely just brought them back down to earth because, in my opinion, they also have issues. They're definitely not as good as they used to be. Don't get me wrong, they have the talent, but there's a few key positions where I think they're definitely lacking, especially when it comes to the wings. They don't have any good wingers. They still try to play the same style of possession, pressing when they lose the ball, keeping the ball. But the thing is, if you have no width, I don't think that style of play is really going to work because the defending team can just decide to block off the 18-yard box and what are you going to do? Are you, you're just going to be resorting to long-range shots outside the box. If you don't have the speed, speedy players that can take defenders out of position, make them commit and open up channels for picking a pass, I don't really think this style of play is going to work for Spain anymore. I think Luis Enrique has a big job on his hands. He, he needs to find a way to change the style of play in a way that really suits this team because they're definitely lacking wingers. I said this during the World Cup and nothing has changed. I wasn't one of the people that got carried away because they started winning again after the World Cup. I mean, Spain usually does do well against smaller teams, but the team is definitely not the same again. 
it's definitely not the same way it used to be and hopefully maybe Enrique is the man for the job I personally don't know if he is I I know he had a lot of success in Barcelona but let's be honest I think that was mostly down to the front three in the other positions in the other positions that he's had as a manager with likes of AS Roma and and Salta Vigo I believe in Spain he really did not set the world alight at all so I really don't know what this guy's credentials are but let's see if he can turn things around for Spain but definitely their own situation is nothing compared to Germany's obviously I think that's about all I want to talk about in the UEFA Nations League I mean there were a lot of other pretty good games Portugal had some good games they beat Poland Poland is actually the first team to be officially relegated in the UEFA Nations League and how crazy is it to be talking about national teams getting relegated but that's what the UEFA Nations League is all about and I think from this there is a lot of evidence that the UEFA Nations League can actually start to bring back more spark to international breaks and henceforth I hope they're not the dire boring affairs that they always are also um Portugal, yeah, we talked about Portugal, yeah, Poland, Italy as well. I think they got a 1-0 win and a draw against Ukraine. They um, still have Roberto Mancini has the job of reviving that sleeping giants. They definitely need a huge revival. And they're struggling, but maybe slowly and surely picking up. But we'll see how, how the rest goes for them. Also, Brazil played against Argentina in a friendly. They won 1-0 in the dying minutes through a Miranda header. And that's about it with any other notable fixtures. So let's move on to club football, which is coming back this weekend, guys. Who's excited? I know I am. Super excited. Club football returns. And what a match that we've got to open up the weekend with Chelsea versus Man United in the Premier League. Whew, so many storylines going into this match. Chelsea in such high form, high spirits. They have been banging in goals left, right and center. Eden Hazard is in the form of his life. They have not lost a match this season. They're joint top at the Premier League with 20 points. Sari Ball has really taken full swing. And then on the other hand, we've got Man United, who are the visitors, who really do not do well at Stamford Bridge. Even during Alex Ferguson's time before Abramovich even took over, United has not made Stamford Bridge a good hunting ground at all. In fact, Chelsea is actually the only team in the Premier League to have defeated United more times than United has defeated them. And it's no surprise to see why. And this season, ugh, it's really, really hard to make an argument as to why that's not going to repeat itself. I mean, United, so many issues, way too many issues. I know they were able to come back against Newcastle last week from two goals down. But that being said, it was Newcastle who have not won a game this season, who are struggling in relegation. And they were up to nil 
at halftime. It could have even been worse. It could have been 3 or 4-0. But maybe I would give kudos to United. I mean, they were able to come back and win the match. But I really don't give too much credit to Mourinho's tactical genius in this sense because from what I saw in that match, it was basically him just allowing the team to play to their potential. He took off the reins and let them run, let them expose their talent and show Newcastle that they're actually the better team. And that was the only reason why they were able to win that match. It was a good goal for Alexis Sanchez, though, who definitely needed that and definitely needs to get back to his best. But that's not even the least of United's concerns because they've also got the Pogba issue with Mourinho. That's still ongoing. Um, nobody knows how that's going to end, really. I mean, there's also a few injuries as well. Luke Shaw was injured over the international break. He might be fit to play. Fellaini was also announced fit to play. But the likes of Matic and the Herrera, they're most likely going to miss this match. Jesse Lingard as well, who actually does play pretty good against Chelsea usually. He's also not going to play. And then we've got Lukaku, who is really just out of form this season. He has really not performed, which I don't really blame him for because he still doesn't get the type of service that a striker of his style should get. I mean, we all know he's a box striker. He's good on the ball. Sorry, he's not good on the ball. But he's good with headers, and if you give him a good pass in the box, he'll most likely finish it. But United has no good wingers. Nobody can cross the ball to him. And then we've got that defense as well. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Bailly? Is it going to be Lindelof? Who is going to be partnering Smalling? Who seems to be the only one who has actually nailed down a spot in that defense? For now, that is. Mourinho just cannot decide what his starting back line is. And that's really a huge issue, especially for a Mourinho team, because we all know if there's anything Mourinho is good at, it's starting, it's um, building up a defense, a strong, viable defense that is impenetrable. But he has just not been able to do that since coming to United. And... It's really hard to make a case for why United is going to get anything from this match against Chelsea. We all know how it's going to go. It's going to be park the bus, going to be defensive against the uh, against Chelsea. Mourinho is definitely going to make them park the bus. He's probably going to make a player man Mark Hazard. And Herrera is probably not going to be that guy because he seems to be injured. But he's definitely going to get somebody to really man Mark Hazard to not give him any space. But the thing is, it's they still got other players who are capable of doing damage. It's going to be interesting to see if it's who plays up front, if it's going to be Giroud or Morata. Morata has gotten two goals in his last two games. Giroud has not really been scoring, but has been linking up excellently with that front three. So it's going to be interesting to see who he plays as well. And I'm going to predict a Chelsea win, unfortunately. It's... It's not going to bode well. But I don't expect Chelsea to have a... like I don't expect it to be a heavy defeat for United. I expect it to be maybe a 2-1 or 1-0. Because United are going to be defensive. They're not going to give too much space. And... Yeah. 
Also, one more thing. It was revealed over the past, over the past few days that the spats between Pogba and Mourinho during the training last month was actually over an Instagram post. And this was confirmed by Andreas Pereira. I don't know how smart it is for him to come out and say this, but yeah, it was actually about an Instagram post where after United lost to Derby in the Carabao Cup, Mourinho had thought that Pogba posted the um, the photo of, on Instagram of him looking cheerful with Andreas Pereira. He thought that he had posted it after the game and he had felt disrespected and that was why he attacked Pogba in that way which I still don't defend him because you don't do it in such a public fashion. But that was mainly the reason why why that happened. So I think that's it about that match. We've got Manchester City versus Burnley. Man City should be able to get another convincing win. They're going to keep marching on. They actually had a pretty good draw against Liverpool, I would say, last week. I think they actually should be happy about that result than Liverpool because, first of all, Pep showed that he has actually learned from the heavy defeats that he suffered last season. And that was why the match was a bit of a cagey affair, actually a very cagey affair, nil-nil. It was anticlimactic. But um, Man City will be happier because they obviously went away from home and they got a draw against their most likely biggest rivals this season for the league. So I think they'll be happy and they'll have no issue with dispatching of Burnley over the weekend. Then we've got West Ham versus Spurs. That's going to be an interesting match. I'm really looking forward to this one as well. It's a London derby. West Ham, definitely, they look like they're in some sort of form. They beat United two weeks ago, but then they lost to Brighton. But I think Pellegrini is getting the best out of this team. Arnautovic is, is in pretty good form. Philip Anderson seems to also be really stepping up in this team. And so does the so does Yarmolenko. And yeah, it should be a good match. I think both teams will score a decent amount of goals. I can see this being maybe a 2-2, a 3-2 for Spurs or even a 3-2 for West Ham. It can really go either way. But I expect Spurs to get the win which they have actually had, surprisingly, they've had their best start to a season in their history, but they've really not been playing that well. They've been getting the results, but the performances haven't really been that great. And they've still got Dele Ali out. Seems like Ericsson is going to be out for a while. I saw uh, an article about that. And Vertonghen is also out, but I think they have enough cover for those guys. And... It's just going to be an entertaining match to watch. Next, we've got Huddersfield versus Liverpool. Liverpool should be able to get this win as well. There were a few injury worries over the international break about Salah, Van Dijk, Mane and and um, Naby Keita. But it seems like Salah and Van Dijk are actually going to be fit to play the match. Whereas... Naby and Mane are still doubts for the match. Mane had a bruised arm, bruised finger actually, or was it a broken finger? And Naby I'm really unsure about what his injury is, but it seems like the two of them might not be fit to play the match. But that being said, it's only against Huddersfield. Huddersfield really look like relegation contenders this season. So if Liverpool are going to win the league, they obviously have to win a match like this. 
the past and last season, these are the kind of matches that they actually really screwed up with and were not able to win. But this time around, I think they should have no issues. Lastly, we've got Arsenal versus Leicester. Arsenal are really looking impressive, to be honest. They've been scoring a boatload of goals. They've gone with, I think they've they've had nine wins in a row, which is pretty impressive. It seems like Emery actually knows what he's doing. It seems like the Emery tenure has gone into full swing. It must be said that the performances haven't been that great in all of the matches. They've actually started quite cagey, quite competitively. But then eventually Arsenal is able to, their attacking power shows itself. And in the like last 15 minutes, they're able to just blitz the opponents. And this was definitely the case in the Fulham win last week, 5-1. Some pretty good goals in that match, actually. But the performances really haven't been there. But that being said, I mean, it's all about winning. And they've been doing exactly that. So I don't know if they're going to see themselves as title contenders. I definitely don't. But I think the top four is definitely within the realms of possibility. That's about it for the Premier League. We've got La Liga. We've got a huge game in La Liga, Barcelona versus Sevilla. This is actually going to be, I believe, first team against second team. And I'm talking about the first team being Sevilla. Sevilla is first on the table, which is just a huge shock. They've actually been playing very, very well. This guy, Andre Silva, has just been banging in goals. And they really have been taking advantage of Barcelona and Real Madrid's slow start to the season. And they have such a great opportunity to actually stake their claim as title contenders this season if they can get anything out of this match, even a draw. A draw for them would be excellent. It would be a really great result for them. Barcelona, on the other hand, they definitely should win this match if they want to really see themselves as coming back to the level that they were at past um, a few years ago. Obviously, their main target this season is the Champions League, but we all know that when Barcelona is playing well, they do well in La Liga. So if they're not able to do well in La Liga, I don't really see how they go in the Champions League. Everything seems to be just down to Messi to perform. But, I mean, you can't really expect Messi to score in every single match. He's not producing the numbers that he used to in the league, like in the past, like he used to produce like four or five years ago. I think, I don't know if, if it's because he's starting to age or it's because the rest of the squad is really not as good as he used to be. Luis Suarez definitely seems like he's done. I mean, his link-up plays are still good. His understanding with Messi is still great, which is because he just has an excellent football brain. But I think his ability to score goals has definitely waned a lot. He's not scoring the way he used to at all. And yeah, but it's going to be a great match, I believe. Barcelona-Sevilla, match between the first and second place in La Liga. Then we've got Real Madrid versus Levante. Let's see if Real Madrid can finally score a goal after not being able to score in the last four consecutive matches in all competitions. They are desperate for a win. Lopetegui is so desperate for a win. He needs to get a win. And I don't think they could have asked for a better fixture than getting Levante at home. Then we've got Villarreal versus Atletico Madrid. That should also be interesting. Atletico Madrid 
finally look like they're actually going to be title contenders again this season. After the shaky start they had, they've also been able to take advantage of the slow starts of Real Madrid and Barca, and they're definitely in this title race. They're currently in third above Real Madrid, actually, and they deserve to be there. They're playing quite well. The defense is back to what it used to be, shutting out oppositions, and I think they should be able to get a win against Villarreal. It should be a tricky match, though. It probably is going to be a very tricky match. But they have more than enough firepower in Griezmann, Costa, Tomalema. They have more than enough to win this match. And in Syria, we've got the Milan derby. It's Inter Milan at home versus AC Milan. This is actually promises to be one of the more exciting derbies that we've had in a while. Because both teams actually seem like they are definitely like getting back to, I don't want to say getting back to the glory days. Because, I mean, their positions in the league are still, Milan is 10th and Inter is 3rd. Inter is doing quite well. Milan still needs to step up, but it's only just four points between them. And also, both teams look like they're recruiting very well. I mean, Inter recruited the likes of Nangolan this season, whereas AC Milan got Iguain, a proven goal scorer at the highest level. It's going to be, this is actually really going to be a tale of two great strikers in Icardi and Iguain, both Argentinian guys, both in great form this season. And it's going to be fun to watch. I think um, both of them are definitely in the running for the top four. Inter already is obviously in the Champions League. AC Milan desperately needs to get back into it. And I think they're both going to be really fired up for this match. So it should be a fun one to watch as well. Then we've got Juventus versus Genoa. Juventus is obviously going to continue winning. They're probably going to extend their winning start to the season to 10 matches. Going to extend that record that they already um, made last week. And let's see if Mr. Ronaldo can continue in his new form of goal scoring that he's just started to do in his new club. And then we've got Udinese versus Napoli. That should also be interesting. Napoli is away. Udinese, they are in 15th position in the league, while Napoli is second. Seems like Napoli is just going to be the best of the rest this season. And I don't know, well, it's still early. They're only six points behind, but Juventus just doesn't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon. If Napoli wants to keep up, they have to win almost every match from now until next year, until Christmas at least. But that should be interesting as well. Ancelotti seems to be doing a good job. He seems to have been able to maintain the style that Sarri had, and they're playing quite well. So Bundesliga, we've got Wolfsburg versus Bayern. Bayern are also just like Germany. They're really not looking good. They're in sixth position in the league. Sixth. Like, can you imagine that? I mean, last season, I think they were also in sixth around this time when Ancelotti was there. But for the fact that it's happened again in another season, I know they went on to win the league last season by a shitload of points. But this time around, it just seems like the problems are just showing themselves more and more in this team. I mean, they're quite... The Ribbon, Ribery and Robin... Ribbon. <laughs> Ribery and Robin, all combined age is 69 years old. Like, how can your two starting wingers combined ages be 69 years, years old? 
that's just way too old. They need some fresh blood in that team. And I don't think Serge Gnabry and Kingsley Coleman are really the solutions. As I said, I've been saying this previously. They are just not looking good. Well, it seems like they're, they are, there haven't been any issues with Niko Kovac, though. It seems like the players are still on board with him. They still like him a lot. But the results are just not coming forth. They can still win the league. But there are a lot of issues in this team that need addressing. They need to spend money. I know they usually don't like to spend. They just like to recruit players from the lower teams in the Bundesliga. But the way the transfer market has become, I think if they really want to stay competitive, they have to go and splash 18, 19 million on a player, like in the Christmas or next transfer window. Then we've got Borussia Dortmund versus Stuttgart. Dortmund are top of the league. Lucien Favre is doing a pretty good job with this team. I mean, they've been involved in some really, really cracking matches over the past few weeks. A lot of high-scoring matches. The only thing is that their defense is still quite leaky. They're still conceding a lot of goals. But it's not going to be an issue if they still continue to score like four or five goals per game. And what about Paco Alcata, man? Off the bench, he's only played like, what, like 90 minutes this season, but he's the highest goal scorer in the league. Like, if only he could have done that in Barcelona, they wouldn't have sold him and he would have solved a lot of issues that they've got. But yeah, Paco Alcasa is doing very, very well. Dortmund are doing well. I expect him to at least be able to nail down a starting position now. And we'll see if they're able to win the match against Stuttgart. Then League 1, we've got PSG versus Amiens. Obviously, PSG is going to win this match, no problem. And then another interesting story from Ligue 1 is that Thierry Henry is the new coach of Monaco. They just sacked Leonardo Jardim, and Henry has taken the task of preventing Monaco from going into relegation and really starting a whole rebuilding project again. They've recently not been churning out the same level of talent that they were over the past few years. And that team that got to the Champions League semifinals two years ago has just been depleted completely. They've sold all of their best players and haven't really recruited well at all. The squad is also very, very young. Their average age is like 21 or 22 years old, which is just really young. And imagine Falcao is, is in that team and the team is still that young on average. So Thierry Henry has a tough task ahead of him. I don't know if this is the best job for him to take as his first managerial position. But at the same time, it is in France where he's idolized. It is in Monaco as well, which is where I think he started his career. And the players are definitely going to give him a lot of respect because of that. And I think he should be able to use that to at least build upon that and like get a good team going. It's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be a good developer of talent. Because if you're going to be a Monaco coach and be successful, you have to be able to spot talent and really develop it well so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays his first match is going to be away to Strasbourg which is funny enough where Arsene Wenger was born where he's from so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes and the Champions League returns as well I'm just gonna because of time I'm just gonna run through the games very quickly We've got AEK Athens versus Bayern Munich. We've got Young Boys versus Valencia. 
Ajax versus Benfica, Real Madrid versus Victoria Pilsen, Man United versus Juventus. That's a huge one. Ronaldo is going to be returning after the one match ban that he got. And what a match to return to. He's returning to Old Trafford. United are really not in a good position though. So Juventus might get this win. Most likely will get this win. But it's going to be interesting to see Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford. It's going to be something. Hoffenheim versus Lyon. Roma versus Siska, Siska Moscow. We've got Shakhtar Donetsk versus Manchester City. City uh, have lost 1-1-1. One, one, one. They're going away to Shakhtar. That should be a, a tricky, interesting match. We've got PSV versus Spurs. If Spurs are going to have any chance of going past the group stage, they definitely need to win this match. Luckily for them, they've got a double header with PSV. So if they're able to get the six points, then they'll be better placed to qualify from the group. We've got Club Bruges versus Monaco, Thierry Henry's first Champions League match. We've got PSG versus Napoli. That's going to be an interesting match to watch as well. Borussia Dortmund versus Atletico Madrid. Another very intriguing match. Lokomotiv Moscow versus Porto. We've got Galatasaray versus Schalke. Barcelona at home to Inter Milan. That should also be interesting to watch. And lastly, Liverpool versus Red Star Belgrade. So, yeah, that's about it. So it's nice that the Champions League is also going to be returning after the international break. And, yeah, what more football action could you wish for? So... I'm definitely going to be watching the matches. I hope you guys are. I hope they're going to be some entertaining matches. And yeah, I'll talk to you guys next week after the matches. Thanks for listening. You can catch me on Twitter at DKBalat. That's D-K-B-A-L-A-T. And on Instagram at DBalat. That's D-B-A-L-A-T. No K this time. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.